Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Bethany Garcia has been a somewhat long-term friend of mine on social media, but in the last year, she has really stepped up that role for me and helped me through some of the biggest times of my life. She's one of the funnest follows because she's so gritty and honest and has the most adorable family, and you kind of just slip into their world when you follow her. Today's conversation is pretty much the same kind of thing. We're just going to slip right in because there are so many parts of who she is and her story from being a teen mom to grapefruits, which you'll have to stay till the very end of the conversation to figure out what the heck we're talking about when it comes to sex life and grapefruits. So enjoy the show. It is a juicy one. Um, hi, welcome. This is going to be an easy and a hard podcast because I just want to shoot the shit with you. And that's essentially what we're going to do, which the essential reason that we're like, we need to do a podcast about this was around a grapefruit. So I'm going to let you, let's, let's start by you kind of give us the goods of who you are, what you do on social media, and then let's get into our initial conversation because I don't, I'm itching for it. So we'll get into the grapefruit, but let's, let's just have a little rundown on you, a little rundown on Bethany. My name is Bethany Garcia. I live in Arizona with my husband and our five kids and million chickens and bunnies and all the things, but I run the Instagram account, the Garcia diaries and have a blog with the same name podcast with the same name. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's just basics. The one thing I find really fascinating about you is, and perhaps reflective of my own journey through this, is you really take care of the community you've built. You're not somebody who, I mean, a lot of times I feel like my community has grown off of like viral images or like these big splashes of things. And when you come into your page, you've had those posts that have gone viral a couple of times, like it surely has happened. But overall, your content is truly day-to-day life within your unit and your family with 
nothing off the limits, nothing off limits at all. So much so that it goes really deep into like cool, intimate things. You have your birth video up on YouTube. Was this an intentional decision and thought based on who you wanted to be as a creator? Or did it just kind of happen? Um, I think that it kind of happened slowly. And when I first started monetizing my space, and I was like, wait, like I can make money from this and this can be my career. I thought I had to look a certain way and be a certain way. And that's kind of when I got entrapped in that area where we're just like, oh, we have to be perfect. So I'm face tuning my images to be smaller. And I got it kind of got trapped up in all of that, which was when I broke free from that. I feel like that's when I really found my place and my voice because I wasn't pretending anymore and I didn't need the white walls and the white sheets and the perfectly curated images. And that stuff's so cool. It's like that's if that's your style, then that's so cool. But it wasn't that's not who I am. And so once I finally broke free from that, I would say that was in like 2018. I feel like I finally found my voice and I was like, I don't care to curate. I mean I like editing and that's so fun to me, but I don't want to pretend to like have this perfect life and curate it. And because that's not real and it's not relatable. Yeah. And I, and I think that this is the, this is the one thing that we forget about a lot. A lot of times when we see these like Instagram versus reality conversations, it's a lot about our bodies and it's a lot about how you look or what you look like in a bikini, but there's so much more to it. There's an entire underbelly of like, what does your house look like? How do your kids look like? Who are you as a mother? And you just slowly curate yourself into being something that is not even real. And I will say, I still follow and love accounts where they have all their children like dressed up like the Von Trapp family and they're all lined up and they're so cute. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. You got your kids to smile for a photo. I love, I love that shit. Like I still love it. And I also acknowledge that that would probably cost me a million dollars in like bartering my children to even get them to like wear a matching outfit. Like we just, we, I can never get my kids to be on board with that. And that's okay. Like, and I think that what I really love about your content is it's a little bit gritty. It's a, it's a little bit more maybe where I find myself and where I see myself and kind of the realities of stuff. But you even take it a little step further because you go real, real in terms of your relationship. You don't bullshit about perfect marriage, perfect parenthood. Has that been, was that hard for you? Did you, did you face a lot of shaming when it came into stepping away from kind of being a curated mom into being who you genuinely are? Did you face any mom shaming along the way? I say it like I, like it hasn't (laughs) happened. I'm sure it has, but I'd love for you to answer. Well, taking a step back a little bit, when we're talking about like the, the Instagram accounts that are more curated, I view that as like at my entertainment, because I follow accounts like that. And I'm like, oh, that's, it's like watching your favorite show. It's like, oh, that's so pretty to look at and stuff like that. But it's not, you know, relatable to me. So when I stepped into that space of like, let's just vomit the truth everywhere, every day, it, I actually found that my audience was growing and like, actually liked me more. And so, and it was like, they finally had found someone that was relatable to their life and not everyone, because I'm not, I'm not going to be relatable to everyone. Cause you know, there's so many people I follow and I enjoy following, but they're not, their life is not relatable to me. And that's, that should be okay. But the people that were relatable or that I was relatable to, they, I don't know. It was like, I had finally started building a community that was like 
interested in me, interested in our life, interested in what I had to say. And that's like, that's what you want, right? When you have this platform, you want to know that your voice is reaching people and you're not talking to a, a wall, which I did for years. And that that's okay too. Um, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I finally started building that community. And that was like the most, I don't know. It was one of the, one of the coolest things that's happened in my career was being able to have people that I relate to too, when I'm having these conversations with them, it's, it's a two way thing. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons, I mean, I love you because you engage with your audience. I think that's really important when you are in this space, because when you have those people that don't reply and no judgment, because I know most of these women are moms and building their careers and all that stuff, but it is kind of, hard when you're constantly replying to someone or commenting back to someone and they're not responding back to you. So it's like, who wants to have a one-sided conversation? You want to have it going both ways. And so I think the influencers or bloggers that are able to do that, they have a really special connection with their audience. Yeah. And, and it's weird because you and I, this is our first like not online conversation and it doesn't this happens a lot. I assume everyone's my best friend. But when I think about it, and when I think about the fact that you are essentially a stranger on the internet, and then I think about the last year, and I think about the fact that I DM'd you when I was considering a home birth, and I think about you when we talked about prolapsed vaginas, and you were like, let, let me give you the real real on this. And I, I remember some of the things that have actually been really pivotal in my own life that changed my birth experience and my postpartum experience came through, quote unquote, a stranger on the internet. And that's what I think is so special about what you do is you really bring people not only into your world, but into the experience. Like there is, there is something about that. We have watched your babies grow there. It's just so weird to like have that and like know that and go through so many experiences with you. But you also create a space to really validate people's experiences as well. Talk to me about the confessionals. Because this is, I hate that I'm so entertained by it, but I am so entertained by it. When did this start? And what is it kind of finding out people's secrets? Um, well, not me crying over here, but um, <laughs> okay, so confession. So we used to YouTube, we YouTube for a hot second because I was like, oh, like, let's like video. That's fun. No, not fun because you have to, you have to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, no thanks. While we were doing that. So we went, we had Thanksgiving 2019, went to Anthony's family's house, my husband, and I pulled out my camera and I said, confess your sin to me. One, two, three, go. And I made every single person in this family confess something that they had never told anyone before. And it actually caused drama. <laughs> Thank <Yeah. you. laughs> Because my sister-in-law, Anthony's little sister, she confessed that she crashed the car in high school when she, when she had like said that someone ran into her. She was like, no, I totally ran into a light pole and, or something. Oh like, my gosh. Oh my gosh. His parents. And they're like adults now, but they were so pissed off. It was so funny. So it was highly entertaining. And so I was like, how do we, and then the pandemic happened and then you, like, we were just trying to survive for a while. And so this fall, I was kind of like, let me put that store, like a, that same thing up on Instagram. And so I put a story box on Instagram and said, confess your sins to me. And I was like, let's just see what happens. And I got like the juiciest, most dramatic secrets of all time. 
And I was like, what on earth? And so I kept doing it like here and there. And my audience was like, can you like make this on a certain day so I can know when to like look out for it kind of a thing? And I was like, okay. And I had never done anything like that before to where like, oh, on this day of the week, we do this kind of situation. And so I was like, all right, I guess on Tuesdays, we're going to do confessions. And so we've been doing it for like, I don't know, five or six months now. And I mean, Tuesdays, highest story views consistently. Uh, yeah, and then every, I always watch that. Every single week, it just like gets higher. And then, which is so every single week, I'm like, Anthony, I just broke my like record again of story views. And he's like, okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. Tell me, is there like a confession that stands out for you that you're like, that is the juiciest and that is my favorite confession? No, not really, because I feel like every single week there's something more, which is hilarious that they consistently outdo themselves. But anything that's like the cheating ones always get me, I think, because I'm like, how like, especially if it's like this super intricate. Okay, actually, here's one that maybe stands out a little bit was a man had an affair with a woman for 20 years until she found out that he was that she that it was an affair because he was married the entire time. And then the daughter that they'd had together in the affair was like 20 something and she found the other family. I don't know. It's like all those dramatic <gasps> ones kind of like that or I don't know. How I have <laughs> such a hard time keeping track of my own family. I don't want to like the second whenever I hear stories of like people having like multiple relationships, I'm like I'm exhausted. Yes. I want. Who's yes. who's who's got the time? Who's got the energy? Who's got the vagina not for this? The mom, I don't. That's for sure. It's always the guy. Always <laughs> the guy. <laughs> Moms are not out here having secret families. That's for sure. <laughs> we have to do too yeah. many dishes. We're over yeah. it. <laughs> and then, you know, anything that's like a family treat where people are trying to tell me like, oh, my second cousin married my third cousin's aunt. Well, there's times where I literally have to draw a family tree of like, okay, like what? let this make sense to me. But oh my gosh, yeah. I'm consistently <laughs> mind blown every Tuesday that like humans are wild. Like they're crazy. Yeah. And so it's, it's highly entertaining. It is entertaining, but it also brings a lot of like anything that sits as a secret in your life that you have to confess it means that there's other people who have likely related to it or had something similar to it. We're, we're never alone in anything. Anything that you think you're the only possible person that that goes with. I've seen people confess before about like never having orgasms and stuff. I've met multiple people who have gone through things like that and they just sit with it and they sit in shame over it instead of actually being like, hey, there's other people out there that deal with this too. Maybe this is something I can go and talk to somebody about or, and you'll often like encourage, like voice yourself or like go see somebody. Yeah. You know, I think oftentimes when I'm watching these confessions is how many silent people are reading them. And yes, of course, some people are just doing it for entertainment like myself, but every once in a while something pops up and it's like, oh yeah, like I've been there and I get that person and I can't, like, I'm just really grateful that they got it out because I think even telling a secret 
has a ton of power. I mean, if you look at one of the oldest websites in the world is Post Secret, where people literally put on a postcard their secrets and they know that they never really have to deal with them. They randomly get posted on a Sunday and you kind of get this opportunity to read people's secrets to do two different things. The person who's telling the secret gets to let, let it go a little bit. And the people reading them get to feel less alone in their own secrets, right? So I think it's more than just entertaining. I actually think it's a pretty powerful thing to be doing within social media. So I'm excited. I'm, I hope you stick with it. Are you planning to stick with it? As of right now, yeah, but we're trying to, so like right now we do secrets on Tuesdays and then we do like our podcast always does like never before seen from like that week. And so we get a chance to like have Anthony react to them, which is always hilarious. And I feel like that seems more long-term for me. Sometimes it's hard on Tuesdays to be on my phone like that often because we do it kind of throughout the day. But as of right now, we're sticking with it. But I love what you said that what resonates with me is that secrecy sometimes cultivates shame. And and there's some things like, yes, if you're having sex with your cousin, maybe keep it a secret. But yeah. <laughs> there's other things like, oh, I've never orgasmed before. Or you know what I mean? I've never used a sex toy. Or uh, my husband cheated on me and like 10 years ago, but I still carry that guilt and shame. And like those kind of secrets. Yes, it's so powerful because so many people can relate to them. And so I think when I first started and I kept getting these confessions over and over again of like, I've never orgasmed or I don't think I have. And I'm like, well, if you don't think you have, you you might you might not have. But I was kind of mind blown that there was women like out there that had an orgasm because I was not educated in that at all. And so I took the time to get educated. I met with a sex therapist. And we actually did an Instagram live together so that hopefully it could reach some women that hadn't. And that's kind of what inspired me to start being more open because with the sex stuff, because it made me realize how many women are out there kind of carrying that by themselves. And I'm like, no, like, let me carry that for you. Let me help you find resources and let me help you help, help me help you kind of a thing. I actually got a really cool partnership with a sex toy company because of this. And we, okay. I don't, I don't know if they're going to get mad at me for sharing this, but like my audience has bought $100,000 worth of sex toys in the past three months <laughs> in three months. <laughs> So, I mean, it's... <laughs> I'll say, you know why It's a hot commodity because one time I was traveling and I accidentally brought the wrong charger because I packed like in the dark. And so I was sitting in a cafe in New York City and I looked down and I've got my vibrator charger and I was like, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> like I didn't bring a phone charger. I brought a charger for my vibrator and I said it in my stories and everyone's like, what one is it? What one is it? What one is it? And so I added a swipe up and I kid you not... It is the most swiped up story I've ever had in the history of anything. 50,000 people swiped oh up gosh. to see what vibrator that charger was for. We are looking for it. Like it is there. And we're like, I, I don't think it's, I think it's okay that people are still 
you know, feeling shame when it comes to sex conversations and stuff, because we're really pushing back against a lot of what society said a woman was and where our role was with sex. And it really has, it, it is a discomfort to work through. So I hold a lot of space for people who are still uncomfortable to be like, oh, like I would love to learn more or like just, just the secret shoppers that just need a swipe up so they can take that next step. They're maybe not talking about it. They're not vocalizing maybe not posing with their vibrators like you and I have done, but they are slowly allowing themselves to be active participants in their own sexual waking up, I'm going to call it, or just, you know, taking those next steps, which is honestly really cool. It's really cool that that, that you as a mother of five has now like opened this window because I feel like a lot of people, when they have kids, they feel like they lose their opportunity to be a sexual being, which is always very backwards to me. I made a post on this once about the fact that like, it's amazing how moms get shamed for being sexual beings, but like, that's how you make how a baby. Most people become <laughs> yeah. a mother. It's like, we're okay with you doing it until you conceive. And then we only want you to do it again and talk about it. If it has to do with conceiving again, which just perpetuates this idea that that's all sex is for women. It's only about having a baby. I am going to try and have the most soothing voice that I possibly can have for you now, much like I get to experience using Dipsy. Dipsy is this incredible app. It's an audio app that's full of short but sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios so you feel like you're right there. And spring has sprung and now it's your turn. So let's bring the warmth of the outside world back into the bedroom with Dipsy. If you're looking to heat things up, there's a story waiting for you. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore no matter who you are or what you're into and what turns you on. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. One more time, dipsystories.com slash papaya. Now I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. You became a mom at a very young age. So I was 21 when I had my first. How old were you when you had your first? Um, I was a month shy of 19. So I got pregnant, had my first baby at 18, and then accidentally like I we came I came from such like strong purity culture that sex was never talked about condoms birth control nothing I knew nothing and I was 18 years old and I also and this was like it wasn't like 
I did have access to the internet because yes, I'm younger, but it, I wasn't seeking those things out either because I just, when I, when Anthony and I started dating in high school, it was kind of just like, oh, like let's, we're going to sneak around and have sex. And, and that's all I knew about it, <laughs> that it needed to be a secret. And so anyways, all that to say was not educated in birth control at all. And so I had my first baby and accidentally got pregnant eight weeks later. <gasps> and I yeah. don't think I knew that. Yeah. And so Brooklyn and Harlem, my two oldest are 12 months exactly apart. And you had them at 18 and 19. So 18 and 19. Yeah. Essentially. Wow. As a young mom, I always struggle with this question sometimes because people are like, oh, do you regret having been a young mom? And and it that's a hard thing for me to answer because there's there's aspects of life that I feel like I missed out on because of being a young mom. But it is almost impossible for me to choose to change the story because of how it's turned out and because of the kids that I do have. And the mother that I got the opportunity to be potentially because I'm so I was so naive because now having a baby in my 30s feels very different. It feels almost too, I'm a little too educated. There's too much information. I, I almost miss being the naive young mom. And you're you're still very young. Now you have five kids. How does that how does that sit with you when it comes to like that whole conversation? I totally love what you said about having too much information because and especially being in the space that we're in on Instagram, it's like constant flow of information coming from hundreds of thousands of people. And so it can be very overwhelming. And I am 20, I'll be 27 this year. So I'm not like, okay, I always say like, I'm not as experienced as you like talking to whoever I'm talking to, because I feel like even though I have five kids, it's life as you experience it. And as you get older, you're not old, but you're older than me. And (laughs) you've experienced more life. And so I'll always look towards people that are older than me, even if it's a year older than me, because you've experienced more life than me. And so but yeah, like when I was 18, 19, I was so uneducated. And some of the stuff kind of scares me because I'm like car seats. And I don't know, like different, different, like things that hang from the ceiling. And now I guess they're not approved by whatever association, you know what I mean? And so it's like, oh my God, I didn't know any of that. And so my kids were out here like front facing at six months old. And I'm like, oh my God, like, how did they survive? I saw a picture of my son on a, on a road trip. We drove to Florida. So that's a two day drive. And I saw a photo of him in the car that I had posted on Facebook. Yeah. And you're like, so proud of it. You're like, look who <laughs> fell asleep. And his straps are so loose. His clip in, uh, is down at like his belly button. And I'm like, now I'm like, is it this? Is it that? Like I had a car seat, um, safe in the seat who I worked with. And I like sent her photos. Like, is she buckled properly? I had to do that the first few times being like, am I doing this right? Because not only is it like the age of information, it's all it's also the age of like, you do something wrong. You're going to be told by a hundred thousand people. So you have to like, you're carefully tiptoeing through motherhood now. So you kind of, I, I do miss the naivety sometimes. And I also agree with you. There is, there is part of it. That's like, oh gosh, how did we make it through? How are we here today? Do you like being a young mom? Oh yes, I love being a young mom, honestly. And like, I I get some crap for that sometimes, but I do not regret getting pregnant young, having kids young, having them close together because they're all very close together in age. I don't regret it at all because me and my husband are so excited to be 40 years old. All the kids are gone. I mean, 
we'll probably have like two left. Yeah, at that don't point. talk to me about that. I'm poor. I was so I was right there. And then <laughs> I yeah. was right there, and Bethany. Then over. <laughs> and then we just go out, you know, all the clubs we missed and all the traveling we missed. Like I've never been to a club. And I'm like, we get oh my to, gosh. we'll still be young when our kids fly the coop. And so yeah, I I love it. And so I also think that because of the kind of trauma that Anthony and I both experienced in childhood and adolescence like we probably would not have been good like college student like we probably would have gone into like drugs like all kinds of different stuff so I'm like my kids kind of saved me in that aspect too and I say that from experience like not even not experience but like my siblings went through the same things I went through and they all had very hard times with dealing with that by themselves and so I'm like I know I'm an Enneagram for I'm like way more emotional and in my emotions than they are. So I probably would have had a way worse time with it if I didn't have Anthony by my side, especially when like really crappy stuff was happening, like my dad going to prison or whatever happens, what happened in my life. Like I could not have dealt with that on my own. How, and this is a loaded question, so you can answer it as big or as little as you like. But meeting us teenagers, obviously you go through a lot of changes and and it is it is a difficult navigation to do when your relationship goes from being teens who are having fun, thinking around and having sex to being parents. And now, you know, running a household, running a business together, five kids. How have you, because this is, this is such a negative thing that happens in relationships where people are like, you've changed instead of like cultivating and nourishing that change and really supporting each other. And I look at you guys and, and I don't look at my own story with sadness for the fact that my marriage at 19 did not work out because I think we were an example of change that wasn't potentially nourished in the same way. And I look at you and it's really working out, which is why it's really cool to have, you know, similar stories and different experiences. What are some of those key things that have really helped you guys be these like teen parents into, you know, now a long, long-term relationship you're coming up. Are you coming up on 10 years now? Yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> how's that? Like, how are you making, how, how's that, how's that working? I think it was, uh, it was so hard in the beginning. It was so hard. And we both come from very different families. And so, you know, the way that you're raised, you're raised to be in your, you, your entire life. It's like your parents are creating you for this one moment when they're, you're going to go off and then you're whatever person that they've like helped you to be and whatever person you've chosen to be. It's like this mixture of that. And my husband and I were raised so differently that it was so hard at first for us to come together, especially at such a young age when we're still growing up and we're so immature and there were so many moments where we didn't, we almost didn't make it. And we had to consistently choose each other. And I'm the kind of person that I I don't like change in my life, but I love change as a person. I love when human beings can change for the better. And so my husband felt like I was constantly expecting him to change and be better. And he didn't like that at first. And then after some therapy, he realized that he wanted to change and be and like live up to what I hoped that he could be because I saw the potential in him because I mean, like literally we were teenagers. And so we got to this place where it was like we were challenging each other to be better and we were growing and growing and growing. And then all of a sudden, like I would say in the last few years, we're like sitting in this place where it's like, oh my gosh, like. First of all, how did we survive the first few years? 
But then also look at who you are now. Like, look at who you became. Like, oh my God, like I'm so much more in love with you than I ever could have been, than I ever thought I could have been. So yeah, we were so much therapy and so much hard work. And so it was not easy. Like, I'm never going to pretend like it was. But the past year or two or three, I would say we're sitting in this place where it's like, we're finally seeing the the culmination of all those years coming into like, oh my gosh, like, wow, we've changed so much. And all of it, most of it is for the better. And yeah, I'm just so proud of like the dad he is, the husband he is. And yeah, we're completely different people than we when than when we first got together and got married and all of that. One of my hero influencers has been talking about this brand and this product for so long. So I'm really excited that I get to talk about them today because they are a sponsor. Elemis is the number one luxury British skincare brand that believes in the truth in beauty. For over 30 years, they have introduced decadent formulations that respect the skin while delivering truly remarkable results you can see and feel. With a foundation in aromatherapy, a belief in science, and a passion for nature, the luxury skin wellness brand has created powerful results-driven products in skin-friendly formulations for over 30 years. Elemis is globally recognized for harnessing the power of nature's finest actives, high-performing delivery systems, and revolutionary technology to create skin-friendly formulations that deliver results you can see and feel. So I've been hearing so much about their best-selling cleanser, their pro-collagen cleansing balm, and I've been really wanting to try it. Well, Elemis was kind enough to send me a jar and let me tell you the hype is real. It's amazing. It has this unique transformative texture that melts away every bit of makeup, grime, and daily impurities. For a soft, smooth, glowing complexion, it nourishes as a balm, but removes makeup as a cleansing oil and hydrates as a cleansing milk. It feels like a spa in a jar containing a gorgeous blend of nine essential oils, including lavender, chamomile, and eucalyptus. So I personally love using it right before bed. It just gives you that calm down you need for you and your skin. I love Pro Collagen Cleansing Balm so much. I want you to try it too. For almost 20% off, visit elemis.com and enter code THEPAPAYA20 to enjoy 20% off full-size products. That's Elemis, E-L-E-M-I-S dot com and enter code the papaya 20 to enjoy 20% off full-size products. Now let's get back to today's show. Now, you're, you're not somebody who like lives in the body conversation space. However, you you kind of weave in and out of it a lot. And you're somebody who Definitely has helped me a lot because the postpartum body is truly a unique one. And also the race to return to a body that you once were is a race that no matter how hard you work to not be in it, feels like it slaps you in the face every day. And I am now, you know, I took a picture of myself yesterday because I looked in the mirror and I was like, I had a baby four months ago and I look the exact same as I did the day I gave birth. In fact, I look like I'm still pregnant some days. And that is such an interesting feeling. It's such an interesting thing to do. And you've, you've literally done postpartum five times over very quickly coming from a teenage girl now into your twenties and in relationship, how, how are you with your body today and how have you navigated it? I'm struggling feeling sexual again and feeling good about that because I feel 
Like I, I don't even know this body. It feels so foreign. It feels like I just gave birth and I'm just a little protective of her. And that's me being real honest with y'all. But like you really show up and, and you do it in really subtle ways. You just like show up and, and it is really helpful for someone like me. But I'd love to know like how, how you're doing in kind of that change, that massive swing of change by having, you know, five babies in what, eight years, nine years? Yeah. So I think I wouldn't be where I am today if not for my husband, because he saw me and I'm sure you relate to this, but he saw me as like sexy and beautiful and all of these things when I didn't. And so he said it so often that I like started believing it. And so that was really helpful for me. But then also like I had to go through this whole period that took like, it took years where I had to dismantle the fat phobia because my parents were like crazy into diet culture and weight loss. And after like my first, second and third kid, I was so depressed over the way my body looked and like, I couldn't bear to look at myself in the mirror. And so after Bronx, my fourth baby, that's when everything started shifting. And I had just, I started dismantling the fat phobia. I had started seeking out education resources and like really educating myself on the human body and what society tells us to believe and then what I want to believe. And so after her, that's when I kind of started stepping a little bit into the body space on social media because I was like, Hey, like, this is how I look and I'm not going to hide it this time. This is how I've looked every single time, but this time I'm not going to edit my images. I'm going to show up authentically. And so that's kind of been since 2018 at this time. It's definitely different because, you know, I had a baby in how far apart are our babes? I think they're like five months apart. I had my baby in July, 2020. July. So yeah, about five yeah. months. Yeah. So that's wild. It's so crazy. And I'm, so I'm like maybe five months ahead of you postpartum. I would say around five months is when I started to feel like, okay, like I'm cool with this. Like I'm, I'm not gonna keep being hard on myself. And cause I feel like between five to nine months in the past is when I was like, oh, I better be in my pre-body my pre-baby body, my pre-pregnancy sizes. And I was like, I'm not going to put that pressure on myself. I'm in a kind of body that grows postpartum. So yes, me too. I I gained from breastfeeding. Nobody talks about it. Nobody, my mom told literally the moment I gave birth with my first, my mom was like, oh, you better breastfeed because you're going to lose all the baby weight. And so I always thought that. And so I'm like, why am I gaining all this weight breastfeeding? Yeah, I like gain a good 20 pounds, I would say, from when I give birth to when I'm done breastfeeding. But all of the, you know, calories that I need to be eating and none of that helps. None of that helps. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm just at this place right now where I'm like, like, this is me. I just bought a lot of new clothes that will fit my body because I want to be, that's the thing in the past too. I was like, oh, like this body doesn't deserve to wear cute clothes. Like, no. Give me the cute clothes. Let me find stuff that's my style and my size. And like, let's go. <laughs> I, I honestly really, really love that. And, and I think that that's one of the things too, when you talked about kind of getting to know your body and really looking at it in a new angle, this is what caused me to kind of slide into your DMs that one day, because in the middle of COVID, having a baby, everything was very different. And there was a lot of fear-based 
decision-making. And I felt like giving birth, I, I just had this, I watched one person's video. I've talked about this on the pod, but I watched one person's video of a home birth. And I was like, I just want to try and do that. But the problem with it was everybody that I've seen do home birth, and this is just me, everything I've seen, I'm not saying that it didn't happen, were all stories of people who like started with home births and just like, that's what they did. And they knew their body well enough. And they went into these spaces. And I'm like, what if you've only ever done hospital births and you've only ever done the medicated? There's an absolute, that's still a beautiful, just everyone know I'm validating y'all because every single birth is so effing beautiful. But when you come to wanting to make a decision like a home birth, you are removing that opportunity for pain medication. And I really leaned into you being like, and, and I remember I said to you, just be real, like com- be completely real with me. Like do not, like I need you to not shit me here. Tell me how it really is. And I remember you said something, and I need you to know this because you said to me, and you sent me your video for your YouTube to watch the birth, which made me bawl my eyes out. But you said you will feel like giving up. It will get so hard that you feel like giving up. But right at that moment, it's probably time to go. It's probably time to push. And I remember I was in the water in this tub at home. I was seven centimeters. They had just measured me and they're like, you're seven centimeters. And in my head, I was like, I I can't, I'm done. Like, I'm just exhausted. It literally was only like two hours of active labor, but I'd been in prodromal labor labor for a few days. Same thing here. But when they told me I was seven centimeters, I started crying because I was like, yeah, I I don't want to, I'm done. Yes. (laughs) Yes. In my head, I was like, we've got to be done. Like I'm, I'm done. I don't want to, I'm done. And they, and right at that moment, I thought, you know, I just remembered you saying at the moment you think that you're done, it might be time, like it often might be time to push. And so I thought, okay, we must be close because I feel done. And so I was, I literally got, they just had me change positions. And as soon as I changed positions, I began to have the urge to push and out she was 15 minutes later. And I thought to myself, the doubt that I had and the, the thought that there were two different types of women and that I was never going to be that type of woman that I never, why even try? Why even why even try and have this experience, which was much more for me about being around my children than it was about medication or not, because God love an epidural. They're like modern medicine amazingness. And I really just want to, val- I, I think I'm just very nervous that anybody's going to feel shame about having a hospital birth listening to this. And that's not my intention at all. But you really helped me reach a goal in having a home birth. But you had had four hospital births before having a home one. Were those two things lined up? Because you said between your fourth and your fifth is when you started to kind of look in and study your body a little bit more. Did that impact that decision and that desire to give that a shot? Like what, what drove you to the decision of having a freaking home birth? Cause let's be real. It it is a huge mental undertaking. So like you said, four hospital births, four epidurals, four. Okay. It's kind of, I don't want to get too much into this because it'll take seven hours, but I did have not so great experiences with my previous births because of, you know, Deuce having my son. Ha- I'm just like mentioning kids like people know who they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> Deuce had um, multiple surgeries and all of that started when he was born. And then Bronx was taken away from me, my fourth, because she was having issues and all in the hospital. And so there was just things here and there. My first two, I had unconsented episiotomies. So like the doctor cut me without telling. 
stuff like that. So, and they were all kind of experiences that I didn't realize that how traumatic they were until like after. So it wasn't in the moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so hard for me. Like I was like, oh no, my birth was beautiful. It was amazing. And then afterwards I would think about it and I'd be like, wait, like that probably shouldn't have happened. But I was never like, I was never, I'm I'm always, I'm pro hospital, pro medicine, pro all those things. Like don't get me wrong. But none of that stuff actually impacted me having a home birth. So when the pandemic hit, this is this this will tell you like what motivates me. When the pandemic hit and the hospitals were like, "Oh, sorry, no birthing partners allowed." I was like, "Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa." Um I would rather have my husband there than have an epidural. And so that's when I started looking into home births. And maybe that sounds like codependent or I don't even know, but like I uh, I would I literally lost my shit not having him in an ultrasound. Yes. So yeah, I, I get it. I was like, I can't do this without him. Like he is my comfort, he is my peace, he is my home. And just having him next to me sometimes is what I need for my anxiety. Yeah, that's what fueled me and motivated me into looking into a home birth. So I started talking to women and it was the same story as you is like, I could only find women that had always done the home birth. And, and so it was hard for me. Like my family told me, like strangers told me you had the epidural, like you won't be able to do it. Like you won't be able to handle a unmedicated birth. And so it was really hard for me. And so through that, I started looking into like, I have this book, I'm using this as my stand, but like hypnobirthing books that I, I wasn't even into the hypnobirthing, like the breathing stuff, because it gives me anxiety and it makes me feel like I can't breathe when I'm practicing breathing, which sounds dumb, but I, I liked the information it gave on women's bodies and birth. And it was like, I, I learned about birth for the first time, but I had already yes. given birth four times. Like I didn't, yes. yes, there were so many things that I didn't know about the birth process and my, like my uterus, my vagina, my birthing canal, all those things. Like once you get in tune with like what your body is supposed to do theoretically and you're understanding the process, it's like, it kind of guides you through the whole experience. And so knowing what your body is doing, like when I was pushing, like, it was because I was like, oh my God, like I need to push as to where in the hospital, they had told me like, okay, it's time to push. Like I wasn't relying on my doctor or a nurse to tell me like my body was telling me. So that was a really cool experience of like being in tune with my body. But I was totally fueled by selfish reasons for having a home birth. And now I wish I could do it like 10 more times, but I don't want any more kids. So not happening. Yeah. I will say very similar to that. I thought that it was just a means to having my family around. I actually didn't entertain the idea that it was going to be a pleasant or a nice experience. I had pre-decided that anything painful is traumatic and crazy and it's not going to be great. And through therapy and through healing from what was kind of unprepared and chaotic birthing in the past, which is not on any medical professional, was definitely in my own lack of desire to even go there, really, really led to panicky deliveries. And what I found through my anxiety being pregnant this last time was that having birth that is like so unpredictable or feels so out of control because you didn't want to have anything kind of define it, 
doesn't always work out. My epidurals failed. I had episiotomies again, like you, without really having not not consented, but just being told that that was happening into like year long recovery. So the the very idea of giving birth at home to me felt like not not necessarily a selfish decision, but like almost like okay, I do have to choose between if I want my kids around and if I want to guarantee my husband here at all times versus everything's up in the air in the middle of a pandemic. And it is, I think what surprised both my husband and myself, he'd never had a baby before, but is to have a fond memory of birth that blows my mind. Like it blows my mind. And I think when you said to me, I would do that again, there was something, I think you said something about like how you all kind of piled into your bed afterwards and the whole family was there. And I remember when I was having like my own moment of that after the midwives tucked me in and I look around the room and like my whole family was there, like I will remember that for the rest of my life. And so to me, I just thought if I can just get through this moment, this will be done. It'll be over. It's just, it's a purposeful pain, but it's a temporary pain. And that was so real and true. And I, I honestly have to thank you because if it wasn't for you sharing that vulnerably on social media and allowing people to kind of potentially judge you, potentially kind of like say all these things as they do, I wouldn't have had the healing experience that I had. And so like I'm somebody who directly benefits from you being this person on social media. Sometimes it rains on your birthday. Sometimes the line for coffee wraps around the building. Sometimes gas goes up 10 cents. It did in my town. Sometimes life stinks. The good news, you don't have to because Native has your back. Native cares about the products you put on your body. They're about stopping the stink the right way. That's the Native difference. You probably already know about Native's legendary aluminum-free deodorant, but have you tried their body wash, toothpaste, or their brand new mineral-based sunscreen? Because yes, Native now has broad-spectrum SPF 30 sunscreen for your face and body. It's lightweight, absorbs quickly, and you can choose between unscented or coconut and pineapple. Native's on a mission to overhaul your entire hygiene routine by putting the care in self-care with products carefully made to work against odor that are made with simple ingredients and smell great. You can get their deodorant and body wash in amazing scents like coconut and vanilla, which is my personal favorite, citrus and herbal musk, lavender and rose, and more. You can even build your own personalized product bundles, mix and match three of your favorite scents and keep them on rotation so you have something for every occasion. Stay fresh, stay clean with Native and go to nativedo.com slash papaya or use promo code papaya at checkout and you're going to get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo.com slash papaya or use promo code papaya at checkout for 20% off your first order. Now let's go back to today's chat. And, you know, you kind of do share things very vulnerably. I said that word very weird. (laughs) That recently you had a photo up of a grapefruit. And I was like, oh, I love, I I, sometimes I just love when people post things for the sake of posting them. And I was like, that is a beautiful grapefruit. And then all these people are like, oh, Sarah. And I was like, what? what's going on? You're like, do you know what the grapefruit is about? Like, are you aware? And I was like, what did I miss? So Bethany, what did I miss? What I know now, but like, tell everyone what I missed. 
what's so funny about that day is I got so many DMs from people like, do you think Sarah knows? Or like, did you see the birth papaya? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's why I DM'd you because I was like, these people are making me laugh so hard. And then you got like so many replies to that comment of like eyeballs and like all the things. Anyways, I was like, yeah, guys, I think she knows. I think she knows. So one day, one confession Tuesday, long ago, no, um, someone was like, oh, so I tried grapefruiting with my husband this weekend. And I was like, okay, so when someone confesses something that I don't understand, I, I Google it. And so I Googled it and I was like, oh Lord. Okay. And so I kind of replied and I was like, what ha- what um, comes up when you grape, when you Google this? Now I want to know. Just Google grapefruiting. And oh my gosh, it's like an education, like instantly. <laughs> and so everyone's doing this right I know, now. They're all doing it. So I shared the confession and I got so many replies from people, you know, asking like, what is grapefruiting? So I was like, okay, guys, let's link an article. And if you go to my Instagram, I have a highlight called grapefruit and you can go all the, all the articles, all the videos, and you need to see the videos are linked Hold there. on. In the Google, it says poke a hole as large as your partner's willy in the grapefruit. When the hole has been made, slide it up and down your partner's willy and follow it up with fellatio while moving the grapefruit in an upward motion on his shaft. How would that not sting? <laughs> okay, so... I'm, I'm concerned. Through my education sessions, I learned that if you use a ruby red grapefruit, they are not as acidic. <laughs> and also... <laughs> If you just kind of cover the hole a little bit, put the grapefruit on, like no one can see me, but I'm using hand motions. And you know what? We got so many confessions about the grapefruit thing. I was like, I have to try it. So we tried it and it did not sting. It did not sting. So that's all I, that's all I can tell you. He, he said what it didn't stung. sting and you gave it a good review. <laughs> what stung was when, cause we had to have like all these towels. What stung was when it started dripping down to his like other hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That <laughs> would so, do it. So, and then obviously if you're going from that to like having penetrative sex, definitely we, I knew to like wash it off, like get all that. Cause I guess some people had the issue of they went straight to penetrating. And Ooh. I'm like, why would you put fruit inside you? Like, don't, don't do that. So yeah, yeah we feels, tried it. It feels like it turns a corner when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But it was fun. I'm because, so impressed you know, and so intrigued. Yeah. It was, I like trying. The photo is my favorite. Yes. That Can photo you Google it? The photo me. is like two women with <laughs> like, their grapefruit. Here you go. Like, let's pose. Yeah, it was fun. I love trying new things and I love sharing new things with my audience because it's like, yeah. like what I was going to say, what can it hurt? But obviously it could potentially hurt if you, you know, I mean, if you have stuck. a scrape, it might hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just talk in the shower. Jeez, like, come on, have a little fun. And so my husband though is a little bit more private. So there's, we all have boundaries. And so there's some things that I don't want to cross his boundary. And so I told him like, Hey, like I want to post this picture of the grapefruit because his honest review was 10 out of 10. And so I want to post that on Instagram. And he was like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know. So this was one of the times I did not respect his boundary and I put it up and I was like, and he saw it. He was like, Oh Lord. He was like, I was like, babe, listen, 
it's April Fool's Day. It's April 1st. So people can take it however they want to take it. And And so he was like, all right, I'll let it slide. Yeah, it was hilarious. And it also showed me, which was a really cool moment for me. Like, I always wonder like how the feed slash story audience like intersects. So we only do Tuesday confessions on stories. So seeing how many people were in on the joke and doing it and dying laughing and all that stuff like in my feed was really cool because it was like, okay, like people they consume all of that, all of the content, not just in one place. But yeah. Except for me, who just thought it was a pretty picture of a grapefruit. <laughs> you missed you missed uh, Tuesday. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God you filled me in. I there, don't yeah, miss Tuesdays like, anymore. Yeah. There's certain things like I would be 100% willing and able to tell my audience right here, right now, like, hey, I enjoy backdoor play. And then my husband is on the other hand of like, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm like, who cares? I get it. I know. You know I mean, so. it's so it's so funny how that all works. And like, I do find like I'm somebody who's kind of like hard on my sleeve. Everything can go yeah. out. But having a family that has different boundaries and like having to like navigate that a little bit. I'm like, yeah, that that is kind of the life. And so a lot of times some of the fun happens within like the DMs. Not fun, but just like the honesty can really happen through like story replies and things like that. And you get to know people, which is what what I love about you. And what I love about this conversation is we basically just jumped into just a place in time in, in your family. And I think that's what people come to expect of you. It's never with an agenda. There's never anything that we might, that we might expect from you because it's truly a journey through your experience and your family. We're out of time, which this has been so delightful, but I'm glad that we ended on the grapefruiting because now I get to tease the heck out of that. But where can everyone find you and kind of hop in to this story, especially on a Tuesday when it's super juicy, no pun intended, but also a little intended. So you can find me on Instagram at the Garcia Diaries. And then we have the podcast and the blog with the same handle. And then we do confessions on Tuesdays, kind of all day throughout the day. And then I, if you like are dying for it right now and you like need to see confessions, like tell me what it's all about. You can go to my Instagram profile because I have like 12 highlights, 14, 16, I don't even know how many highlights of all the past confessions. Oh, so fun. Thanks so much for doing this with me. Thanks for our little virtual friendship. I really appreciate you. I I have this dreamy idea that one day we might actually be in the same room together, but who the heck knows? In the meantime, I just appreciate that we've got this. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show and for sharing all your grapefruity wisdoms with us. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I adore you and I'm so excited to connect with your audience and all the things. If we didn't like shock and awe them all at once, <laughs> which I I kind of hope, I kind of hope. For everyone listening, of course, I will have all the information of Bethany in the show notes as well. So please go check her out. Today is Monday. If you're listening to this, likely it's on a Monday. Tomorrow is the, your first day to hop in on those confessions. Maybe you have something to tell yourself and get to see it be live reacted by Bethany, which is the best part of the whole thing. So thanks so much for listening and for tuning into our conversation. And we had so much fun here today. So we will see you again next week. 
Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.